Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So Adam, to give us another indication that it's 2020, the Denver Broncos have not done anything positive with COVID. And they're the ones being screwed over. So for those who don't know, and I'm sure everyone does by now, the Broncos game scheduled for Monday was rescheduled for the third time to next Sunday. In the process of that, the Broncos have now lost their bye week for week eight. It was now this last week that they practiced. The game against the Dolphins, which was scheduled to take place in week six is now week 11 when they were supposed to play the chargers that week. And now they play the chargers in week eight, which was supposed to be the bye week. So if you listen to that and your eyes didn't glaze over or you're not confused, good luck because I just read it and I still don't understand it. But suffice it to say the Broncos have done nothing positive with COVID meaning they haven't tested positive, they haven't screwed up, they're the ones getting screwed. 
Yeah, it's a, a frustrating thing to sort of... First of all, it's difficult, like you said, to wrap your head around what is going on with it because it's a postponement, it's a postponement, now it's a new bye week. And one of the things that we've talked about in the past, whenever we've done a, a schedule uh, you know, preview and we've kind of looked at what the schedule looks like when it gets released, you always, look, just like every NFL player does, you always look to find out when is the bye week. And the the bye week for the Broncos this year was in the perfect spot. I think most most players like it to be towards the middle of the season, maybe towards a little bit later, you know, middle, late end of the season there. And that's what the Broncos had with a, a week eight bye. Perfect, right? And instead, it gets shifted on them, but it gets shifted on them on the fly, meaning they spend an entire week preparing for the Patriots. And the Patriots spend an entire week freaking out about COVID. And instead of not being practicing. And, and not practicing, and instead of just punishing the Patriots for having positive tests. And I, I, I will say this. I think that we shouldn't say punish because COVID-19 is a serious issue. And it is something that we need to take seriously, whether you, whichever side of the aisle you sit on. And I'm not, I don't want to get into politics here, but this is something that the NFL has taken seriously. The players are taking it seriously, or at least that's what they should be doing because that's what we're supposed to do just to get through this. And so the frustrating part of that is it's pretty clear that the Denver Broncos have taken it seriously enough to the point where they have had no positive tests. The Broncos have done a very good job of keeping their players, their coaches, their staff, everybody sort of in, I don't want to call it a bubble because they're not in a bubble, but in, in the frame of mind of understanding how serious this is, taking it seriously and not testing positive. Phenomenal. They've done a great job. The Patriots, on the other hand, have had two of their stars, because let's face it, Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore, those are stars, test positive for COVID-19. Who gets punished? Just like you said, Ian, who gets punished? The Denver Broncos do, because they lose that bye week. And I'm sure that you you know, you know, could make the argument that, well, they, they got an extra week to prepare. They prepared, and then they get an extra week to prepare. Sure, that's fine but it throws them off down the road, right? It messes up their schedule because they never get that full week off. And what we know about the NFL and what we know about NFL players is that they look forward to that week off because it's a chance to recuperate. It's a chance to get your body right. And you don't have to practice. You don't have to be focused on the game. You can mentally check out a little bit and sort of decompress so that you can prepare for the rest of the season. The Denver Broncos will not have that opportunity in 2020 because the New England Patriots didn't take COVID-19 seriously because their starting quarterback and their star cornerback didn't take it seriously. And, And maybe they did and they just got hit with something and it's unfortunate. Maybe that's what happened and it's probably what happened. But it still should not have resulted in punishment for the Denver Broncos. That makes no sense. That's why it's so frustrating because now not only the Broncos have their schedule messed up, so do the Dolphins and so do the Chargers. So there's four teams just right there that get more punished than the Patriots. All the Patriots lost was their bye week. Their bye week was supposed to be week six. I, it just it makes no sense to me. And I, Vic Fangio said on Sunday that 
we'll find out who the bitchers and whiners are going to be. That's a good cliche quote to have. But the players have every right to bitch and whine about this because it impacts them. And this is what we talked about before we started recording. Not only does it impact the Patriots week, because that was going to limit what the fact that the game got delayed until Monday was going to impact the preparation for the Miami Dolphins game that next week for week six. Well, now it's not the Dolphins that they play. It's the Chiefs. You get the switch there. I, 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 I just, <laughs> yes, there were going to be issues with this. There were going to be just anyone who didn't think that this was going to impact the season is either living in a bubble or has their head in the sand and doesn't want to listen to facts. This was going to impact the season. But the fact that it's impacting teams that didn't do anything wrong is what I have a problem with. Yeah. I I, I mean, there's really no other way to say that. And it's, it's frustrating as a fan because you feel like this is something that, and as, a, as a fan of this franchise in particular, the Denver Broncos have not been good for a long time. It's It's been a struggle for half a decade, right? And this was supposed to be a turnaround season. If you look at what was supposed to happen, right? What, what were we looking forward to, right? The Drew train. And we were gonna we were gonna see a bit of a turnaround, and Von Miller was gonna return to form, and Bradley Chubb was gonna be back, and AJ Boye was gonna be an impact player, and Philip Lindsay is the hometown kid that's gonna you know gonna you know double up with Melvin Gordon, and they're gonna they're gonna be awesome, and you've got Cortland Sutton coming into his own as as not just a wide receiver one, but one of the best in the NFL, and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tim Pesh, there was excitement all over the place with this team, all over the place. And, and 2020 has been what 2020 has been. 2020 has been just just blow after blow. Just, just constant punches in the face and kicks in the nuts. And this is just another one of those moments. This is just another one of those things where it, it is so typical of what the Denver Broncos have been enduring throughout the course of this season. And it's frustrating. Now, I will say this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dig deep for some positivity here, like super deep. Uh, it does give guys like Philip Lindsay and Drew Locke an extra week where they're not missing a game. And now maybe we will see them on the field for the next Denver Broncos football game. AJ Boye back on the field for the next Denver Broncos football game. Maybe. Yes, it will be against the Patriots, but it will be a real football game. And maybe they'll be back to, if not full strength, because obviously you know, you're missing out on, on Von Miller. He's not coming back for a while. But some of those guys that have gone down, maybe they're going to be back. Maybe you'll start to see something that we were hoping to see from the start of the season on. There's other. There's two other positives that you can take from it. They're not going to face a Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick train that is seemingly <laughs> starting to pick up steam. So maybe they'll come back to earth as the real dolphins it's a little drop by week down 11. There. I like that. And then the other positive is that it is an 11 a.m. game next Sunday. So it's not going to be the the 225 or Monday night 3 p.m. game. It's 
an 11 a.m. game. So that's always a pause. I, I, I love it when the Broncos play at 11 a.m. And this is an interesting fact that Andrew Mason pointed out. This is the first time the Broncos will play an early game at Gillette Stadium. The last time the Broncos played an early game in New England, it was at Foxborough Stadium in 1999. Wow. So that's the year after Elway retired. And they, they had won their back-to-back Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, which makes Brian Greasy the starting quarterback that year. What, is, that, is, that, is that true? Brian Greasy and and, <laughs> and Bubba, Bubby Brister? Did they share time that year? That's, that's, a, that's a, a blank year for me, actually, 99, because I spent that year living in, an, in another country, and so I don't remember anything because I didn't see anything that year. I read about it on ESPN.com but I didn't see anything. So that there's your positivity. And I, I do think that it, it, Drew Locke is obviously going to be the quarterback because he wasn't going to play on Monday. Now he'll get to play. So it should be the Drew train the rest of the season. Knock on wood. Yeah. Geez. Because it's Careful. 2020. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, Obviously, I guess we'll we'll preview the game again. Sure, why not? <laughs> on well, Wednesday for the Wednesday podcast, little, right? Won't it change a little bit because of, of of what players will be playing in the game? That will that will influence a little bit of what we talk about. So yeah, I mean yeah, come on back for that. Obviously, because we're not just going to copy and paste. Although we probably could a little bit. And then the other thing that allowed that came forward today is. The officiating in the NFL is so bad. I, I was telling you before we started recording, it's now on par with the NBA. I mean, the one thing that you can count on with the NBA is four teams usually in contention, some sort of combination of the Lakers, Celtics, and then Fill you in can the go. Blank. Yeah, there's two other, usually two other teams. The Now I guess it's the Golden State Warriors. Sure. Um, Let's see. Although they took I, I this know. year off because of injuries and whatnot. They took this year off. They were like, ah. At least they didn't get the number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I almost was hoping that that was like, that's what was going to happen just because, because that would have been 2020. <laughs> the perfect 2020 example. But the, but the officiating in the NFL, it's just so bad. It is. But as I've said before, it isn't really surprising when the simplest thing for this league to do is define a catch and it can't even do that. No, it's yeah. Yeah. What is a catch? We don't really know. We, we kind of figure it out as we go. Wasn't it just when the guy catches the ball? Yeah, but that's, that's not complicated. But enough. you got to make a football move yeah. and you got to have two feet down and it's different when it's in the end zone because you have to fall to the ground, but you don't have to fall to the ground if it's inbounds if it's on the field of play, but if you're in the end zone or falling out of bounds, you have to maintain it through the play. It's like you go through a, it's like you go through a, like a, a spatial divide when you cross the, the goal line where the rules change from one side of the goal line to the other. That's, that's what it is. And why don't they just say that? Look, I just solved their problem. Look on this side of the goal line, the rules are this. And on this side of the goal line, the rules are that, and you just have to deal with it. Okay. Why not? And don't touch the quarterback. Don't touch him. Oh, you leave that. You leave that man alone. He's a fragile man. Fragile might be Italian. 
Ooh, nice play. Thank you. I that's the one that I I told you that's the one that got me today. When when I'm watching the the Jaguars game and you see the perfect form tackle on a quarterback in the pocket and the defender wraps his arms around the midsection, perfect hit, it influences the throw and you can see as he's going to the ground, the thought in his mind is how do I not land on this guy? How do I not land on top of the person who I have just perfectly tackled so that I don't cost us a 15-yard penalty? And he immediately starts to panic and his arms start to flail out and he still lands full force on the quarterback because what else was he going to do? And he instead of instead of resulting in a, a you know a third and long because it was a great hit and you know now and and the ball flutters and and is incomplete, it ends up being a 15-yard personal foul, roughing the passer, and I, I, that's not football. That's not foot. Just give him a flag. Give him a flag. They already wear towels. Just turn it into a flag. You walk up and you take the towel away from him, and the quarterback is down, and then he can't get hurt, and and it's and it's fine. You can then then that's a sack, right? That's how you record sacks from now on. I got your towel. Because then that's what they're going to. That's what it's going to be soon. Oh, it just drives me so nuts. And the, the play that I'm referencing was in the Eagles and the Steelers. And it was it didn't end up impacting the game at all because the Steelers still won. But it was an offensive pass interference on a receiver who didn't even touch the receiver. Or the cornerback, rather. It, it's just – it's gotten to the point now where with baseball, with basketball – with the NFL, it really is time to get rid of human officials. There is technology now where it can be done electronically. The fact that the NFL still uses chains to do first down measurements is crazy to me. So tennis, tennis still has line judges, but they don't really need them because if it's challenged and it's close, they can go to a computer electronic and say, oh, no. Because they can see it. They, what is the point of having line judges in tennis when all you need to do is use that screen? I, I'm actually I'm sort of fine with the way that they do it. I, I do I do like so I, I watched the French Open today. I watched the final uh, Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal, and Nadal sort of smoked Djokovic. If you're a tennis aficionado out there, like the old man, the old man is a, a tennis aficionado. I don't know. We've shouted out the old man recently. There you go, old man. There's your shout out. And and for those who don't. Rafa Nadal is a clay expert, so it's not really surprising oh, that he he demolished the, Djokovic, the greatest clay court tennis player of all time. And and I'm sure it's like that, Pete I'm Sampras sure I'm gonna get a phone, Yeah, I'm going to phone call about that. But he is the greatest clay court tennis player of all time, and it, and it is kind of like Pete Sampras on grass. I get a phone call about that one too. the The point though is this that, is what we're this is why. No football because the Broncos get screwed over because of COVID. So we're We're talking talking tennis. tennis. (laughs) I love it. it. Well, that's what happens. But but you're right. I I like what they do in tennis, though, because you have the line judges. You have the sort of the the tradition of having the, the, the chair umpire and all those things. And then the players are so good that they know when things are in or out for the most part. They can tell. Right. They can see it. They they are that good. They are that precise. It's actually fairly amazing. But then. 
Sometimes somebody misses. And it, the funnest thing to sort of see in tennis at times is when the crowd claps as they do the, like the ball comes in and it goes to the line. And it's, I mean, it's millimeters. They can tell by millimeters. If, if tennis can figure out a way to identify whether a ball is in or out by absolute millimeters, then the NFL should be able to figure out first downs, touchdowns, ball, just ball placement in general without the use of, as you said, a chain gang. It's neat. Sure. Let them be out there. I guess that's fine, but that should not be how we are measuring things anymore. It's 2020 people. We're supposed to have flying cars and teleportation. Instead, we're still using a chain gang. What is going on here? And if you still want the human element, you can have a sky judge. Yeah. And that could that could be for holding, which isn't called now in the NFL at all. I guess if you're and a Garrett Bowles fan, you're fine with that. If you, I, I mean, I, I go back to my what my mom would always say about watching the NFL with her dad, my grandfather. Back in the 60s, he would say you could call holding on every play. So at least there is some consistency with the NFL for 50 years. Sure, some things never change. You can call holding on every play. They just choose not to anymore, which is is okay. It's it's not, but it is. I guess it works out if again if you're a Garrett Bowles fan, it works out for you. If you're a Bradley Chubb or Von Miller fan, then it bothers you because they get held all the time. So you know you got to take the good with the bad, I suppose. It is frustrating though to know that these are things that could be solved probably pretty easily if they would just invest the time and money into solving them. And it's not like they don't have the time and it's not like they don't have the money. They could fix it. They could make it so that we don't have to talk about it anymore because it sucks to talk about. It sucks. Yeah. It it sucks to talk about a sport where literally the simplest thing to define is a catch and they can't get it right. Well, it just depends on which side of that magic line you're on as to whether or not it's a catch or not. And if you did, if you made a football move and if, if you came to the ground, if you went to the ground, did you go to the ground or did you get taken to the ground? And when you got to the ground, where were you when you got to the ground? Were you inbounds? Were you out of bounds? Were you across the goal line? Were you not across the goal? What is going on? Did he catch the ball or not? Like it's that simple. Two feet inbounds, caught the ball. Done. Simple. I figured it out. I solved the problem and nobody's listening to me. <laughs> Here's an interesting conversation. To go completely off the rails from football. Why not? Instead of having a home umpire, why not use a computer? They should, because you can have the you can have Major League Baseball Players Association and MLB come to an agreement on what the size of the strike zone is, and then it's a computer. A computer can say, "Is it in or is it out?" That's balls and strikes. No longer need a home umpire. Yeah, what you need is you need a guy to call people out at home if there's a play at the plate. That's all you need. And then you need and then, and you really don't need anybody calling balls fair or foul either. That's the, that's the other one. Why do I need a, a human being standing there telling me a ball that's moving 110 miles an hour along the ground, whether or not it, it crossed the bag at just the right angle and so it's fair? No, I don't need that. There's... Call the tennis people up. Give, you I'm go. sure they have their number. Tell us, tell us about this magic technology you have that identifies whether a ball is in or out, and and let's just do that. I I, I do understand when you're talking about plays at at first and second, 
you know, I, third base, I get it. You got to have somebody making the call. Fine. Because you can't sit there for 30 seconds after each call and have somebody go, uh-huh. He was out. You know, I don't, but, you can't. You, but you don't need three of them. You can no. have a guy who stands literally behind the pitcher's mound and can do all four bags. You don't need you don't need four umpires. You could use one and a computer. It could be it could be done. Again, it, they have the time and they have the money. They just don't have the desire. And the other thing that happens with that is that you know the umpires have a union. And they have a negotiated contract with the Major League Baseball uh, and Major League Baseball Players Association. There's a whole there's there's a whole bunch of issues that go into switching out umpires and computers. I imagine there would be something that has to be done with uh, identifying a way to keep those umpires somewhat involved in the game in some way. But what I will tell you is fascinating is they do have in the minor leagues they tried last year. And, and I can't remember, I read this article, I, I know I found it, I could find it on Twitter if I wanted to do the research, and I don't. And they were using a computer to call balls and strikes, and all it was was a buzz system, and the Astros know all about that. And Ooh, it would, snap. I know, feeling it tonight. And it would, I, it would let the umpire know whether the pitch was a ball or a strike. And the umpire was only there to say ball or strike. That's... That's all the umpire had to do. The umpire didn't need to know the strike zone because, like you said, there was a little microchip in the ball, which I think they could probably afford, or something, and they had lasers and this, that, and the other, and it would just tell them whether it was a ball or strike. And then as a as a coach, you can't have managers that are arguing balls and strikes because what are you going to do? Yell at a computer? I, I'm sorry, we don't have Skynet yet, so I don't think you get to do that. And if you were going to do that with Skynet, they'd just murder you. So don't do that. And you can't yell at an umpire who's just telling him. It, it, it's like it eliminates maybe part of the fun of the arguments. Maybe you only want it for balls and strikes and not like plays out in the field because it is fun to watch umpires argue a little bit. That's enjoyable. I would miss out on the John Boy breakdowns, you know. Just saying. I need a little human element, but maybe not too much. Eliminate the stupid stuff. That's not a bad idea for all sports. Which is generally refereeing and umpiring yep and in football it's refereeing and umpiring because you have an umpire on the field and referees they make sure they they get it all (laughs) all right is there any nfl news that we have to talk about that we need to get into i I mean this is the weirdest post-game recap we've ever done because it's post games it's just not our game i guess and it wouldn't have been on monday anyway because they would have played monday that's so we would have had to do like a what a seven o'clock post game podcast what? because they were going to play at three. What what are you doing playing on a Monday at three? I mean, I don't get that. I mean, I get it. You don't want to overlap with Monday Night Football. I guess is that the idea? I... The the thing that I don't like about it is we're not going to get Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet now because they would have been the the broadcast team for the Broncos Patriots on Monday, which oh. is now Sunday. And it's not on ESPN anymore. I will say, I having watched you, I you deserve kudos because you said the game to watch was going to be the Raiders and the Chiefs. Thank you. You didn't you didn't predict the Raiders win, but you said it was going to be interesting. And I I said, which was the death knell, that it wasn't going to be, 
that not only were the were the Chiefs going to win, they were going to cover the thirteen and a half points that they were Ooh, that's predicted right. as the spread. That's right. So as soon as I said that, I knew that the Chiefs were going to lose. But I will <laughs> you say you did that on purpose. Well played. I I wish that I had that kind of forethought. <laughs> right. But I I will admit it. Patrick Mahomes is insane. I mean, I I was I told my wife. This has to be what it was like for Chiefs fans watching John Elway because he is the closest quarterback there has been in the NFL to John Elway since John Elway. He does things that no other quarterback has done other than John Elway. And it's maddening. And it makes me effing hate Ryan Pace even more because it's his fault. F that guy. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.